by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. When I was uh, a young boy, I had played peewee football for three years. And I got pretty good at it, you know. I, by my third year, I was quarterback on my peewee team. I said, well, that's pretty good, you know. So I'm going to try out for my junior high team. So that next year, it was junior high, and I decided I was going to try out for junior high football. In the meantime, we'd moved to a new, junior, new, new house across from the junior high, and I'd made new friends, and one of my friends was named Hal. <laughs> Hal said, I want to try out too. I want to play football. I said, well, come on, we'll go try out. And if you know anything about football, it don't just start in the fall time. They start practicing in August, sometimes in July. It was hot. And so we got in the, the locker room, and the coach starts passing out salt pills, salt tablets. Now, this is back in the 70s before Gatorade and everything, and for some reason they thought a salt tablet would be what you need out in that 100-degree heat <laughs> with them pads on Thank goodness technology has come a long way. But anyway, me and Hal looked at each other. We thought if one tablet would do good, we would take two. We'd be, we'd be just fine. <laughs> so we took two salt tablets. Before I even got out there on, in the heat, my mouth was already been missing. <laughs> and we had one of those junior high coaches. You know, his plan was to run off all the sissies on the first practice. He wanted to get rid of all the weak ones, you know, so that he could get down to practicing. So he was just going to run us to death and see who could, who could last the first practice. Well, we ran, and then, uh, then we ran some. And then we didn't take a break, but then we started running. And then when we got through with that, we ran around. And then we started running fast. And about an hour in, I was about to have a heat stroke, and I began, how do you say this gently? To hurl. <laughs> I started throwing up all over the place. And I was sitting there in slobber all down my face mask and everything. And I looked over and there was Hal. He was doing the same thing. But we didn't feel too bad because there were some other guys doing the same thing. And, you know, I'd been through peewee football and I knew life wasn't easy. I was a young boy, but I had a little experience, you know. I remembered when I had broke my finger. What was this finger? Uh in the peewee football game. And I played the rest of the game with a broke finger. And I was the quarterback, and I had to stick it up under center, and he's snapping the ball at me. So I said, I can grit this out. I can tough this out. I got what it takes. I know I'll throw up, and I'll get back in the game. You know, that's the way life works. How many understand that's the way life works? Sometimes you get knocked down, but you can't just stay down. So I had every intention of getting back up and starting to run again. But that's when Hal started working on me. Come on, man, let's go. Man, this ain't worth it, man. They're trying to kill us. This coach, he ain't no good, man. This, this school, I ain't playing for this school. And he started talking in my ear. Yeah, but that's what the devil does, isn't it? You need to just quit. Everything ain't going, nothing's going your way, you know. And so what did I do? I walked off with Hal. 
when I quit the high school or the junior high football team, and I didn't ever get to play football again. Now, a great football player named Vince Lombardi, he said this, winners never quit, and quitters never win. Can you argue with that? Isn't that true? You can't win if you quit. Stephen King, the novelist, he said, talent is a wonderful thing, but it won't carry a quitter. So I could have been the best one on the junior high football team. I don't know. I will never know because I didn't play. I never got a chance to use those talents. You have gifts and talents. Are you using them? And then Lance Armstrong, the bicyclist, he said, pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever. And I tell you, I still remember quitting to this day, some, what, 40 years later probably. More than that. Still pains me that I quit. Quitting lasts forever. Sometimes you got to work through the pain. And if you want to be successful, you better get used to working through some pain. If you want to be a good Christian, you better get used to working through some pain. Some things that you don't understand, some things that you don't like, you need to suck it up. Did I say that out in church? Aloud out in church. But I'm serious. This ain't all sunshine and rainbows, as Rocky said. And the devil's just waiting to get some of you guys offended about something and this or that. And the devil's over there saying, we ought to just leave this team. We ought to just quit. This coach ain't right. Ah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't listen. Don't listen. You're not a quitter. You know how I know? Because you're here today. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a quitter. <laughs> Some of you say, well, I quit a little while, but I, I came back. Well, good. You didn't quit for good. You got back up. <clears throat> the Bible says in the end times, that there will be a great falling away. That a lot of people will just leave the faith. The love of many will grow cold. They just won't care anymore. And we see it all around us. But you're not a quitter. Because I see you here today. The U.S. Census Bureau said that 4,000 churches close each year. That's a whole church that just packed it up. Said, might as well quit. We, we can't get through it. It's, it's just too hot out here. It's too tough. We got people throwing up on the sidelines. There's 2.7 million members leave the church each year in America. I'm just talking about in America. 2.7 million people leave the church. And then they went on. This is the one that got me. It says half the churches in America didn't add new members in the last two years. That means half the churches are, probably aren't evangelizing, probably don't want new members. They like their little small church the way it is. They want it to be a social club. So they're not trying to add new people because, you know, with new people just comes new problems. You know, church would be all right if it wasn't for all the people, wouldn't it? But not here at the Passion Church. 
You say, why y'all got such a crazy church? Because we, we pray that God would send us the spotted and the speckled and the broken and the downtrodden and the hurting and the drug addicts and the alcoholics and those who've been abused. Because that's what we pray for. And if you look around and say, well, why is y'all church so jacked up? Why so many people messed up? Because, the, because this is a hospital of hope and people are in a state of recovery. And so we don't fuss at sick people for being sick. Sorry. We try to get them well. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well. I come for those who know they're sick. And I'm going to be honest. In those highfalutin churches where they're wearing the suits and the ties and they're acting like they got it all together, they're sick too. They just ain't acting like it. They ain't honest enough to be real so that they can be healed. So, so when you see people being real, let them be real. Let them be themselves. St- help steer them in the right direction. Amen? But there's a lot of people quitting in these days. And there's going to be more. Jesus said persecution is coming. Do you know what I saw just across the border in Canada? A woman got arrested for praying silently across the street from an abortion clinic. She didn't even open her mouth. She's just walking over there quietly praying for those little babies. And the police says, oh, you must be praying. You're intimidating folks. We're going to arrest you. They arrested this woman for quite silently praying. Look, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 9, about the end times, he said, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. See, this is going to happen in all nations. This is going to happen in the greater United States of America. We can see it coming. You Christian bigots, because you believe there's an absolute truth. Because you don't play these pronoun games. And feed into people's mental illness. Because you, you say there is a family structure. There is a right. There is a wrong. You can't just do what you want to do and think there ain't going to be any consequences. Well, let me not get to preaching at you. I'm sorry. But in the end, there's going to be great tribulation. And we're starting to see it getting mighty close to home. And I've been telling you about it ever since I've been pastoring. And And you say, Pastor, why do you preach all these messages on encouraging us to stay strong, encouraging us to endure to the end? Is that your only song you're singing? Well, that's the the message the Lord has given me. You must need it. Because a lot of people ain't heeding it, and a lot of people are leaving the church. For many people, COVID was a convenience. They said, well, I'll just use that as an excuse to start sleeping in. But that, you know what they did? They revealed that they're just fence riders and they pruned themselves. They pruned their own selves. Now, God's able to graft them back in. But I don't see a lot of those people that left wanting back in. They done got used to sleeping in. It's much easier to just go with the flow, isn't it? But you're not a quitter. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a quitter. The same that shall endure to the end shall be saved, Jesus said. I don't know what that means. You figure it out for yourself. God can graft them back in, but they got to want to get grafted back in. You, you fall asleep for a moment, it's hard to wake it back up sometimes. 
So God asked, he said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God looks all across, far and wide, over the whole earth. And he said, who will go for me? Whom shall I send? So, what do you say to that? Put me in, coach. That's good. But you got to get through the practice before you get in the game, don't you? You got to stay on the team. You got to endure some hardship. You got to be willing to sacrifice. Now, let me not get ahead of myself, but what do you say? Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. How many of you say that? It's easier to say that than to do that because a lot of them, I ask you, can you help us out in the nursery? We're, we don't have no workers back there. They're wore out back here. Well, let me have to pray about that, Pastor. Well, can you at least come to a life group and support what we're doing and, and disciple somebody, you know, at the life group or be discipled or, you know, just join in? Well, you know, my, my weeknights are very important to me. So where, where is this exactly that God's supposed to send you? If you won't go anywhere, he asks you. Here I am, send me. It costs you. I'm just being honest. Jesus said, the fields are white to harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. The laborers are few, and the ones praying for laborers seem even fewer. As I can to attest to the, the number of prayer, war, prayer warriors coming on Tuesday nights this summer. Is anyone, is anyone willing to trade their American dream for their heavenly calling? Because that's what it's going to take here in the end. You can't just say, you can't keep one eye on Howell and one eye on Jesus. Walk in the fence. You're going to have to make a decision who it is you're going to serve. Let's talk about a few stages of life. Uh, Abraham, I think he was what? Was he 70 or 75 when God called him to leave Haran where he was living? Now, you've got to understand, this, this guy, he's been successful his whole life, and maybe that's you, maybe that's your story. You've done good things, you've acquired wealth, and you've got you a 401k, and you've you got everything set up for the future. You've got your big family all around you, and, and you're, you're ready to stay put and enjoy those latter years, right? And then God comes along and says, I want you to go to somewhere I'll show you. He don't even tell him where. He said, I just want you to trust me. Abraham left everything that he had to live in tents. And to follow God. And to live day by day with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we call him the father of many nations. Because he lived by faith. By faith he became the father of many nations. He didn't set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't put a foundation down here. He just put a few tent pegs for the journey. But he kept moving with God. He kept walking with God. And it says... In Hebrews 11.10, for he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He got his eyes on heaven. 
He got his eyes on the prize. He got his eyes on the rewards that await those who are faithful through this valley. He didn't set up camp down here. Now, I'm going to just, once again, every week, I'm having to go to the altar before you do. I told you I've been struggling with getting back involved in buying and selling and all that kind of stuff that I used to do, you know, that got my eyes off of Jesus. I'm a human being too. But uh, the Lord, he, he keeps correcting me, making course corrections. And maybe this is what today is all about, a course correction. Um, Jesus said, to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Say self. And we've been talking about that a lot lately. Self just don't want to do God's plan. So if anyone desires to come after Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, he says. There's a cross involved. You mean what? You know why this church ain't big as some other churches? Because we preach this truth. We don't say you can just come on Sunday and you're good. Right? God requires all of you, not just your Sunday morning. God wants more from you. He wants you to take up the cross. What if Simon the Cyrene that came along and they, they, they compelled him to help Jesus carry the cross, he said, no, I'm good. He didn't want to. But somebody had to help Jesus carry the cross. And he got up underneath there with Jesus, put his arms around Jesus, and they carried it together. Somebody's going to have to carry this cross. Will it be you? If it is, you're going to have to learn that you're going to have to deny self. Because self ain't going to want to do it. Self just don't want to do it. But you know, on Judgment Day, our works will be tried by fire. On Judgment Day, we'll st we, you know, for the Christian, we won't stand for judgment, heaven, and hell. That's already been decided when we made Jesus Lord. But we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ for the, the works that we've done in this flesh, whether good or bad. Yeah, for, for your rewards in heaven. And on that day, it says all the stuff that we did here on earth, all the works that we did will be tried by fire. And it says some of the stuff we do is like wood, hay, and stubble. It's just going to go up in flames. There ain't going to be nothing left but some ashes. But if you've been doing things out of the right motive, you know, self, the things that you do for self, just, just always thinking about yourself, always heaping up treasures on, and spending all your money on yourself and all your time on yourself, you may have accomplished some things, but nothing eternal, and it's going to burn up. But the things you did for Jesus, the, the cross that you buried for Christ, man, that's going to survive the fire. In 1 Corinthians 3.15, it says, if any, anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. That's not a word you think of when you think of heaven, is it? You mean I'm going to get to heaven and suffer loss? Well, it depends on what kind of preparation you're doing right now, doesn't it? If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, what does that mean? That means you come busting up in heaven, whoo, I made it, but your clothes is smelling like smoke, still some singed, and you got nothing to show. You got, 
You didn't bring anybody with you. You didn't minister to you, your own children. Your co-workers are still down there unbelieving because you never took up the cross. And you, you oh, yeah, you made You said that prayer, and you trusted Jesus as Lord, and you made it to heaven. But you'll have no rewards. You just barely made it as if you just come out of the fire. I always use that analogy that the building was on fire. You just ran out and saved yourself, but you didn't, tell, you didn't scream fire. You didn't tell nobody else. You know you possess the words of eternal life, right? That Jesus is Lord. That if you, thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know that's the truth, right? That's the truth that will set the captives free. That's the words of eternal life. Well, we better get out there and start saying it. So let's look at another stage of life. There were three young boys. They were Hebrews. You might remember their name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, yeah. Well, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he built a 90-foot golden statue to himself. <laughs> and he wanted everybody to bow down and worship him. And that's the way our leaders are today. That's the way they want you to do. They want you to bow down and, and worship me, and worship this. There's a lot of things you could worship today. And a lot of people finding different ways to worship different things. And he said, when the music plays, if you don't bow down and worship me, then you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down to worship. And they got ratted out. <laughs> Some people told on them. And so they got brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar says, I hear y'all didn't bow down, but I tell you what, because of your good reputation and how you've served me and your leaders and everything, I'm going to give you another chance. He said, I'm fishing to get some music play, and now we're going to see if you'll bow down. How many knows them boys was probably feeling some pressure to bow down? Have you, you been coerced and forced to do anything lately? The government wants to make sure you do everything their way. And, well, anyway, they said, O oh, king, we believe that if you throw us in the fire, our God is able to save us. But even if he don't, we will never bow down and serve and worship you or your statue. We just can't do it. Well, the King Nebuchadnezzar's face, it said it twisted with rage. And he demanded the fire be made seven times hotter than normal. It was so hot that when the soldiers that were going to throw them in there, they got there, they melted. I don't know what happened. I guess Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked on in themselves. <laughs> they walked in the fire. They, were, they had been bound when they are walking. And now the king looks in there. He said, how many did we throw in there? They said, three. He said, but there's four in there. And one of them looks like the son of God. And didn't we bind them? They're walking around free. Finally, the king said, y'all come on out. They came out. They wasn't smelling like smoke. They didn't just escape like just through the fire. They come out like they own the place. 
And you know what? While them young boys was in the fire, they was unbound. They were freer in the fire than they were before they went in there. The fire cleanses. Sometimes the situations that you're going through and the trials that you're facing and the temptations that you're resisting is, feels like fire, but it sets you free. They were freer in the fire than when they went in. They come out as a testimony. It's so easy, young people, to bow down with the crowd. Just say, well, that's what they demand. It's not my fault. I have to. I have to. No, you don't. What if you stood out? What if you stood up for Christ? Maybe some of your friends would start following you instead of you following them. Amen? Amen? Or oh me, I don't know. They came out unbound and unharmed. Then there's another fellow, kind of like middle age. You might remember him. His name was Moses. Moses, when he was a, a baby, they were killing all the Hebrew children in Egypt. So his mama hid him in a little basket and put him in the Nile River just to give him a shot, you know. And just so happened that the uh, daughter of the Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh was the king of all of Egypt. And Egypt was probably the biggest country at the time. So he was probably the most important man, the wealthiest man, the powerfulest man in the, in the world. The Pharaoh, his daughter, happens to find the baby and, and just thought he was so cute and kept him like a pet. And so he grows up in Pharaoh's house, and he's treated like the grandson of Pharaoh. Now, you can imagine how he lived. Ate the finest foods, had all the money that he could spend, had honor and respect everywhere he went. Probably people bowing down because he's in the king's house, the Pharaoh's household, rode in the golden chariots. Moses had everything in his life. But somewhere along the line, somebody must have witnessed to him, and he realized that I'm not really an Egyptian. When you see Egypt mentioned in the Bible, just remember this. It's almost always a type shadow of the world system, the, wor the way the world does stuff. And somebody pointed out to Moses that he wasn't of the world, that he was a Hebrew. That he was one of God's people. And then he looked and he saw God's people were being oppressed. And struck down and abused. They were slaves. And so he wanted to help. Well, we know he, he went about it in the flesh. But at least the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, he probably was enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin before he knew better. How many of y'all have done that? Let's not sugarcoat it. Sin can be pleasurable while you're doing it, but afterwards you reap a reward that you don't want. The wages of sin is death. But he had been enjoying the pleasures of sin. But once he found out that he wasn't from Egypt, he wasn't of this world, 
that he was a child of God, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Just like Abraham, looking forward to that house built in heaven on the foundation that God laid. Looking forward. How are you going to overcome this world? You're going to keep your eyes on Jesus. How did Jesus endure the cross? He kept his eyes on the prize. For the joy set before him, it says, he endured the cross. He looked past the cross to the joy that it would bring in the end. And that's how you're going to be able to do it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a quitter. You're not going to quit just because you, your job is working you 60 hours a week in this heat and there's slobber hanging off your face mask and you've, you, those salt pills is working on you, you know. Just because it gets tough, you're not a quitter. You realize you ain't from here. You're not an Egyptian. You're not a worldly person. You're a child of God. And you're going to take up your cross and you're going to finish this race. And you're going to see the great reward that Jesus has waiting on you. We know that Moses, another 40 years later, Moses ended up, God, he saw God in a burning bush and he ended up leading all of the Hebrews, the Jews, out of slavery. You know God has a calling on your life, right? And that's to lead others out of that slavery. You say, well, I'm not a Moses. All right? How do you know? Moses didn't know he was Moses. <laughs> How do you know what God can do with the rest of your life? You may be sitting there thinking, well, I messed my first part up. I, and I'm, I done passed the age. Moses was 80 when God called him from the burning bush. What could God do with the rest of your years? What if you turned it around? Mm -hmm. Does the return of Jesus scare you? You'd be surprised at the people I, I say, well, you know, Jesus is coming back saying, oh, don't say that. Why? Why? Are you not prepared? You're not ready? You didn't, you didn't fall into in love with the things of this world? I hear young people say, well, I know Jesus is coming back, but I want to get married first and have a house and all. Oh, my, my dear child. <laughs> Those things are great, but the rewards of heaven will make you forget all about that. When Jesus comes back, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. We got to decide today choose this day whom you're going to serve now is the time you say pastor you, you say that every Sunday but that was then this is now <laughs> and now is always the time you need to make a firm decision now and not wait till you till they bringing you to the fiery furnace before you decide if you're going to be faithful Jesus, when he went to the garden to pray before they, they came and got him, he said he, he worked it out in his heart. He already knew. He knew why he came, but he was just checking 
God, if there would be another way, if this cup could pass before me. Father looked down and said, no, Jesus, you are the way. And so he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Have you said that? When's the last time you told Jesus that? Because my will will creep back into the picture if I'm not careful. My life will be turned upside down before you know it. I didn't, my, myself has done made a mess. I done got back on the throne. I didn't realize I was on there. But Jesus made a decision on the front end. So, so when they came and got him, his, his heart was resolute. He wasn't backing down. He, he wasn't coming off the cross, though. He could have called 12 legions of angels. The angels couldn't have talked him into coming down. There was nobody talking him into coming down. You know why? Because he was doing it for you. He was doing it for you. He came. This is why he came. To make all things new. He came for you. He came to die for you. And what I'm asking today is, will anybody live for him? He died for you. Will you live for him? Don't quit. It was love that held him to the cross. And it's your love that will hold you to him. And if your love is growing cold, it says in the end, the love of many will wax cold. It's because you got your eyes off of Jesus and you're looking at the news. You're starting to group people together by class or gender or race and stuff like that or what political beliefs and everything and starting to hate this group and hate this group you're getting your eyes off the truth the love of Jesus will save you and it will save those around you if you'll let it so what is our one job to love Jesus to know Jesus to not, not lose sight of your relationship that is the thing that, that is the one thing, if we did that, everything else, it says in Matthew that seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Everything else that you need in life, God will take care of. Your job is to know Jesus, to love him. Then your heart will want to serve him. It won't be a chore. He is the core. And that's for sure. Just had to throw another one in there. All right, so <laughs> lay off the salt pills. Grab hold of that living water. Let's talk about one more and we'll close. And then we're going to take communion together. I'm excited about that. We've talked about the young boys. We've talked about middle age. We talked about an old man. Now we're going to talk about a fellow that's run his race. And he's at the very end. His name was the Apostle Paul when he wrote the second letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. I'm going to just quote you a few things out of that letter. A man who had lived well, he had endured hardship that we will probably never face. He was, in fact, he was in prison when he wrote this letter to Timothy. And somehow he knew his time was short. And he told Timothy, in 2 Timothy, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. After everything I've been through, they just stoned me about this. 
and then let me down in a basket and I had to run, flee from my life. All of the stuff I've been through, I'm still not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. I have the words of eternal life, he says. And he says, Timothy, preach the word whether they want to hear it or not. Preach the word whether you feel qualified to preach it or not. He said, because there's perilous times coming. And that all who live godly will suffer persecution. Get ready, get ready. But he said, but God will deliver us out of them all. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be a good soldier for Christ. Don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. He said, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. You don't want to get to heaven and be somebody's gardener. 2 Timothy 1, 2, he says, For I know in whom I have believed. And that goes right back to the point I just made. Knowing Jesus. Don't lose your fire for Jesus. Are you slipping? Is your prayer time waning? Is your desire to get in the Word waning? Are, are the pressures and the cares of this life trying to steal the, the seed that God has planted in your heart to warp the relationship of you and Christ? No. He said, I know in whom I've believed. I know Him. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep what I committed to Him until that day. My original commitment to let Him be Lord and I will follow you. I know he's able to bring me through to the end. I know he can do it. I know he will. And he said, my time has come to an end. But I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Let me ask you today. Will the word faithful be on your tombstone? When it's all said and done on this earth, will they be able to write the word faithful on your tombstone? I believe so. Because you're not a quitter. You're not a quitter. The only way you can fail is quit. You're winners. You're champions. Kings and priests unto God. The devil has been defeated. The only way he can defeat you is if you quit. Never quit. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.